Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, whenever you get those kind of introductions, you want to, after a while, say, who is he talking about? Okay. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I borrow a quote from a good friend of mine. He's a pastor in Chicago. He says that his wife openly says there's nothing good in him but Jesus. <laughs> but he is good, amen? There's nothing good in me but Jesus, but he is good. He is real, real good. Brian, thanks for uh, leading us in worship and the praise team. Praise the Lord for their ministry to us, amen? Uh, I was saying to one of uh, our sisters, I said, well, when I become a worshiper, I become a better preacher. So thank you for leading me in worship. And, and, and Brian, you said you... Uh, you, you wore shorts because it got hot. I rolled up my sleeves, okay? Uh, I didn't even get started yet, okay? Because when I microwave something, I don't have to roll up anything. But when I barbecue something, I roll up my sleeves. Because it's going to be slow cooked and really good, okay? Are you with me? I gave a Saturday night to the Lord, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the feast. Uh, of uh, When I went to Wings yesterday, I rolled up. Well, I had short sleeves, so I, uh, you know, I didn't need to roll up, but I went, to, I went to town, and I hope that we are rolling up our spiritual sleeves and saying, "God, feed us." You know, and before I get into my message, and, and I, I really hope the word really resounds and resonates with you, uh, something that struck me as we were worshiping, because God speaks through worship, was two things in a couple of songs. It talked about um, one was Jesus take us. Take me where you are. Jesus, bring me close to you. If you forget everything, and I hope you don't, maybe a missing part of revival is not so much Jesus come to me, but Jesus take me to you. Because I think a lot of times in our individualistic Western culture, it's about Jesus, come to me, meet me, help me. And those are prayers from Scripture. And he, Jesus responded to those type of prayers. We read it in the Gospels, you know, son of Bartimaeus who said, hey, son of David, have mercy on me. But I wonder, church, if we want to see revival, it's not Jesus, come to me. Jesus, take me to where you are. Let's see what kind of revival he brings in you and through you. If that's the way we pray, that's the way we approach, that's the way we pray to God. Amen? So would you bow with me as I pray and commit ourselves and say, Jesus, once again, don't just come here. Draw us near to you and show us who you are, your heart for the lost, the last and the least. Jesus, we Thank you for meeting us, inviting us, drawing near to us as we seek to draw near to you. And that's the ultimate goal. It's not about you just coming down, but it's us, you raising us up to where you are, a place that we don't belong, we don't deserve, we can't earn, but we by grace receive the lavish love of our Heavenly Father. So lavish us with your presence, with your word, your truth, your grace and your compassion. Meet us here in this place so that we would be where you are and follow you 
where you are taking us individually and corporately as your church, your bride, into a world full of those who are last, lost, and least, and lonely, who don't know you and who can change everything. And we pray that you would change more of us as we seek to be your hands, feet, face, and voice to this world and to one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tonight, my message is returning to our first love, returning to our first love. Um, before we, let me just read our passage for us. Shall we, shall we go there? It's the book of Revelation. Again, yesterday, we had, I even said, uh, you had to, yeah, I encourage you to use the table of contents. Hopefully, you don't need it today because it's the last book of the Bible. Uh, so Revelation of John, uh, it's J- Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7, and uh, we'll see how this word, hopefully, is coming at a timely moment in our lives individually and collectively as his church. So Revelation chapter 2, I'm reading from the ESV translation, but follow along with me with whatever translation you have. And I believe, uh, I don't know if they are projecting it or not, but if not, look over with a neighbor. I really want you to look and read the word of God for yourself. Feast, uh, feast on the word of God. Uh, Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduringly patient and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you had fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have, and you hate the words of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has ears, who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Returning to our first love. Uh, I won't forget it. I hope I don't forget it for a very long time. A couple of years ago, one of the sisters in our church was baptized. Um, We baptized on Easter uh, in the spring. And I remember after that uh, baptismal uh, baptism service, uh, the sister Jennifer came up to me. And this was odd for me because um, I didn't really know Jennifer that well. She was in our church, and I had said hello, I'm friendly to them, and they were very friendly towards me, she and her husband. But she said, Pastor Sam, uh, can I just tell you something? And she was, they were about to move out of the country shortly thereafter. She said, uh, one of the reasons that I got baptized and I made this profession of faith is something you said during your sermon several months ago. Honestly, I had totally forgotten. She said this. In one of your sermons, as you're preaching out of, uh, of the, the Sermon on the Mount, which talks about hypocrisy, you publicly, on behalf of the church, apologize to those to whom the church has hurt. I've been hurt by Christians. And when I heard that coming out of your mouth, 
it struck me. It struck me that if Christians can apologize, I too can get right with God. Brothers and sisters, tonight, I'm going to talk about another aspect of revival that I think we don't talk about or we don't, more importantly, live out. Last night was intercession, crying out, literally crying and, 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 and petitioning and, and literally pulling on the, 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 the uh, almost like saying, God, 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 God. I have your attention. I want to keep your attention on this person. I think that's a part of revival that's missing, but I believe is starting in our midst. But I think another part of revival if we're to see it individually, on a personal level, and on a church-wide level, whether it be your church or this church, is this. The church repenting before the world. What are we to repent of? And that's what this passage is, is going to talk about. Not, not apologizing for our faith, if anything, forgetting who our faith is all about. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. If you want to see revival, and I believe many of you do, and some of you are like, I don't know if I want revival. Well, I hope some things in this passage will really hit hard, hit deep into your heart. Because trust me, the word revival, I was telling this to Pastor DL as I was preparing. I, I learned this a few years ago. The word revival, literally, according to the, the biblical understanding of it, means this. The word revival doesn't mean something new. The word revival, think about the word, it means to return to your original purpose. To return to the way things were supposed to be before sin entered the scene. It's coming back to our creator, our redeemer, our Lord, and our God. Have you lost that core of the Christian life about loving God? Have you lost it? Are you in danger of losing sight of the one who matters most, which is Jesus? It's not about me. It's not about Pastor DL. He'll be the first one to tell you. It's not about harvest. It's about Jesus. Lord, take me where you are. Draw me close to you. Lead me to the places and the people that you want me to follow you. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, and I was thinking of that as we sang, and no looking back. Church, it's time to say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I've been looking back. And Jesus says, if you keep looking at me, you won't have reason to look back. For our eyes have always been or are starting to stray to the wrong things if you find that your, your eyes are on other things in the world. It should be upon Jesus. And when you look on him, you don't look back. Who are we talking about? Here, church, look in verse 1, just so that you understand who we're talking to, who John is writing about in Revelation. Look at that verse, verse 1, the angel of, uh, angel of the church in Ephesus. Ephesus. Why is that important? Here's why. Tonight, I want to tell you, Ephesus was a great church. It was a great church. It was, it was large, it was influential, it was privileged, it was very blessed. Some would even say it was maybe the most important congregation in the continent of Asia in one of the greatest cities in the world. It was planted, Ephesus was planted by the Apostle 
Paul. And there, it began with a great outpouring of the Spirit. We read about that in Acts 19. And for three years, Ephesus, this is how blessed this church was. Paul was his, their teacher and their pastor. And he had such a fondness for them. For after three years of being with them, it says explicitly in Acts 20, there were tears that were shed between him and the elders as they were bidding one another farewell. This is a beloved church. This is not a church with, that's, that has scandal marked all over it. A church that is on the, on, on the downhill slope. No, this is a great, great church. Even Timothy, uh, Paul's a, a protege, an apprentice in the faith, he pastored at Ephesus. And there's even evidence that even the apostle John himself had some connection with this church in Ephesus. It was a great church. And yet, how did such a wonderful church that was so diligent and dutiful, so enduring and doctrinally correct and discerning about what was right and wrong, how did they forsake their first love written 30 years later in the book of Revelation. Church, and for those who are at Harvest or from other churches, let's not just focus on the here and now, even though Jesus makes a difference in the here and now, and he wants to change the here and now, but also let's be mindful of where God is leading us in the church he wants us to become. You see, over 30 years, they started with a, this a just tremendous foundation. Again, I would liken it to... And I'm not saying this to be patronizing or just to kind of kiss up to, to my brother and my friend uh, DL. It, it, it reminds me in many ways of harvest here. You are blessed. God is moving. God is raising. God is sending. God is healing. God is freeing. God is bringing people together in him and to himself. It's like a church like harvest. If you look on the outside and the inside, things are going great. And God has sent some phenomenal people here. I personally love coming to your church. You know, I remember yesterday when I walked down those halls, uh, this hallway, walking in uh, before service, people genuinely greeted me. Genuinely. They're ge- I'll be honest with you, my brother Shino, please, uh, please. This is recorded, but maybe we can edit this out later on, okay? You, and Shino, don't repeat this, okay? Because I love my home church. But you, you, friendly, you are friendlier than my home church is to me. I don't know what it is about D.C. or the the makeup of our church. Maybe it's a service time. I don't know. Okay. But you guys, maybe it's Florida. Maybe it's Orlando. Okay. The entertainment hospitality capital of the world. Okay. I don't know what it is, but you guys make me feel loved. You make me feel like I belong here. Okay. Um, Yeah. That's the type of church that John the Apostle is writing to. A great church, wonderful resources, doing all the right things, being faithful to the Lord in every way, except over time, they were not faithful to the Lord. They kept their focus on working for him and doing things about him instead of drawing nearer to Is that you? Let me just pause. Is that you? You've been at church a long time. But sometimes Christ gets lost in church. Amen? You know know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of parents. 
in our day and age. They are so focused on their children, and this is me included, and this is my generation, that we forget why God gave us children. We're so focused sometimes on our children, we forget our spouse. Brothers and sisters, please pause with me and let this sink in. Let's focus on the children and the Great Commission and the task at hand, but let's not lose focus on our spouse, Jesus Christ. Because we could be running around for him, doing great things in his name, and yet missing out on what this is all for. It's to know him, to glorify him, and to become more like him. And if that happens, then all the ministry, all the serving will happen out of who you are versus what you feel needs to be done. You see, after 30 years, the Ephesian church, uh, they, uh, they gave the Lord their leftover time, the leftover money, their leftover love. You see, Jesus hadn't gone anywhere, but the individuals and the churches actually were drifting from him. And notice in this passage, we see this in, uh, in, in uh, we see this in this passage. It's not, Jesus didn't say that they lost their first love. He says that they had forsaken it. They had forsaken their first love. And here's my main idea of the message that I'm just going to weave through our message. It'll be a short message, so there's plenty of time for response. Only Christ's first love for us fuels lasting devotion to him. Only Christ's love, first love for us, for you and for me, will fuel our devotion and make it lasting for him. And John writes three ways how to restore that devotion. We sang about restoring to me the joy of my salvation, how to restore the joy of our salvation and return our focus onto our spouse and not just the work that he has called us to do. You know what? If we don't get this right, there's plenty of reason why people can say that the church makes no difference in people's lives. We've got to bring it back to Jesus. And here's how. Number way, first way to restore our devotion and return our focus to Christ is remember Christ's love for us through his cross. Remember Christ's love for us through his cross. Look in verse 5, please. There it says this. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Paul is remind, uh, uh, John is reminding them, go back to the, the basics of the gospel that he writes about in Ephesians chapter 1 through 3. That they are loved, they're adopted, they're justified, redeemed, rescued, and reconciled to one another and to God. All because of what Jesus has already done for them. That's why in Ephesians chapter 1, because I'm going to reference Ephesians a few times. Because again, this is the Ephesian church. Again, this is 30 years after that that letter has been written. Uh, Paul writes this to the Ephesian church. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, even as he chose us in him in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through jesus christ ephesians chapter 2 it says because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive with christ friends if you're gonna experience revival live in revival live in lasting 
devotion to Christ to the finish, it always has to come back to remembering what he has done for us, his love for us through the cross, his love for us through the cross. And I add that through the cross because it's not the type of love that we hear about or, or we experience in our human societal level. It's not just mere words. It's not shallow. It's substantive. It's demonstrative. It is a love that is of action, not just of words or empty promises. So if someone, sister, if a a brother says to you, I love you, okay, I love you. Come here. Come here, girl. I love you. I want you to pull out a cross from your purse or your back pocket or have, a, have the background of a cross on your phone and say, oh, that's really nice. Do you mean this kind of love? See, that's cheap love. That's empty love. That's not love because <laughs> that's called lust because lust is based on what you get, not what you want to give. Jesus' love is, he wants to give us himself. It's only through him do we know the Father. Only through him can we be sons and daughters of a good and glorious God. You're already loved. You're already loved. Remember Christ's love through the cross. And if someone says, I don't know if God loves me, and I, and I, and I, I feel for them, I believe them, that, that sincerely, but I would have to, in, in my in, my, in, in, in all honesty and sincerity, it would, I have to somewhere in my care for them, for their soul, as their brother, as their pastor, somehow remind them of the cross. Because if the cross is not the, the center point, the crux of their understanding of love, they will never feel loved by God. Brothers and sisters, friends. Remember, you are loved. Loved through the cross of Christ. You're loved through the cross of Christ. Uh, I, I've shared this, and if, I, if I've shared this before, please pretend you haven't heard it, okay? Okay? Just, but, you know, uh, I, I've been in Pastor Deal's house the last couple of days, and I love his children have drawings all over the place and special Father's Day cards and stuff like that. And I have one Father's Day card from my oldest, Olivia, who is in sixth grade. She's a junior higher now or middle schooler. But um, um, I think I can only do this for a couple more years before she's totally embarrassed, okay, about me <laughs> toting this around, okay? But this is my favorite Father's Day card of all time. Don't tell that to my youngest daughter, Natalie, okay? Um, but she wrote this for me about four a little over four years ago when she was in the first grade, and it says, Happy Father's Day. And um, I'm, not try- I'm not here to boast on my kids, uh, but it's just, it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's all, it's cool. It's just, you know, it's three-dimensional. It's... <laughs> You can play with it, okay? It's, it's, it's a cool thing, okay? It's like a book that has moving pieces. But more importantly, um, in first grade, she wrote this. Um, and it's just fill in the blank, and I love it. My dad is special, and this, she gave this to me on Father's Day. My dad is special because he's my daddy. Okay? Who's your daddy? <laughs> Over there. Uh, I like it when my dad, she filled the blank in, hugs me. 
I like to make my dad smile by tickling him. Disbeliever, don't test it, okay? My dad is smart. He even knows about God. Wow. Talk about children teaching us. In their eyes, intelligence is about knowing God. They teach us so much. And my and she says, I think my dad is special. That's what she wrote. And then my favorite favorite thing, she wrote this. My dad's favorite thing to do is love me. Church. God's favorite thing to do because of what Jesus has already done is to love you. Favorite thing to do is love you. And if you don't get that, then revival, repentance, renewal will be elusive for you for a very, very long time. It's grounded and remember from how far you have fallen, how far you have forgotten what has already been accomplished for you and for me. He loves you. He loves you. You know what that means? You know what that means? You're already fully accepted. Those who are juniors in high school, you got into the hardest thing in the world already. It's called the family of God. Tell your parents, pressure's off. I can get into that. If I can get into heaven, I can get into, don't, mom and dad, okay, just leave me alone, okay? I already have the greatest acceptance in the world. I'm accepted into the family of God by his sheer grace and love through the cross. Parents, that's one of your primary callings as a parent is to communicate that to your children. They're already accepted. They're already accepted. You know, when I drop off my daughters uh, at school, I pray this prayer over them, and then I say something to them before they leave the car. I pray this prayer. And I'm, I'm not saying this is a model prayer or a template, but this is, this is, these are just based on where I, just what I'm learning from the Word and about Jesus and what I hope to transmit and transfer to them. I pray these words. My girls hopefully can repeat it by memory now. God, I pray that they will know how near you are to them how much they're loved by you and who they are because they belong to you and to our family. That's my prayer over my girls in the car. And then when I drop them off, I say three things. Three things. One is, I love you. Secondly, I say, remember who you are. I don't say get good grades, behave. I just say, remember who you are. You're loved. And lastly, I've been adding this recently, I'm already proud of you. You know what that means? Pressure's off. You can fail. You're already accepted. You're free to fail. You're free to be, you know what it's called? Human. Because someone who is both human and God accepted daddy. Well, how could I not extend that to you? You're already loved. You're already loved. 
not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done for me and for you. Church, remember Christ's love for us through the cross. That's how you restore devotion. That's how you return your focus to Christ. What should motivate us of, of what we do and why we do? It boils down to being loved, forgiven, validated, and approved by Christ's sacrifice on our behalf. Can you say that? I'm already loved, fully loved, totally accepted, 100% approved. I'll take you places. I was driving Pastor D.L.'s car. He was very gracious to me today. I, I have friends out. I lived in Merritt Island for three years. I'm a, I'm a f- former Florida resident. In the late 90s, I lived in Merritt Island. I was serving at a mission organization there, and I have some friends out in the Rockledge area, which is right near Cocoa Beach, south, south of Titusville. And Pastor D.L., he, uh, he let me borrow his car th- today, in essence. And one thing I, I didn't factor in, Okay, but Pastor DL knew that I would have to factor in. The, one of the last things he said before he handed the keys to me was this. He said, Pastor Sam, here are the keys to my car. And Pastor Sam, here is the easy pass. You see, I didn't bring enough change to pay my way to Titusville and to Cocoa Beach and Rockledge. But... I was riding in a vehicle where the easy pass was already paid for me. Church, we can go through life, heartaches, trials, tribulations, because someone has already paid for you to get through it to glory. You're already loved. Because he paid, we're loved. Because he paid, we're forgiven. Because we're loved. Because he paid, we are set free. Already loved. Unless that goes deep, 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 and then even deeper into our soul, we will not understand the type of relationship that Jesus wants us to have with him to the finish. To wherever he takes us to whatever he brings us to and the people he brings into our lives. Remember Christ's love for us through the cross. Secondly, some of you are saying, I thought this was going to be a short sermon, okay? I told you, I rolled up my sleeves. I just looked at the barbecue, and we need to cook it a little bit longer. Okay, number two, here we go, okay? Here we go, number two, okay? Some of you came from Tampa, and I don't want you to feel like I ripped you off with a short sermon, so number two, okay? Number two, okay? Number two, remember Christ's love for us through the cross. And secondly, repent from taking pride in our service, sacrifice, and self-righteousness. Repent from taking pride in our service, sacrifice, and self-righteousness. What is a church known for serving, like the uh, the Ephesian church, uh, known for serving, for discerning and persevering, filled with ministries marked by energy, orthodoxy, and stability? What do they need to repent of? They need to repent that they place their worth, confidence, and identity in their service, their sacrifice, and their self-righteousness. In essence, they were taking pride or celebrating in what they had accomplished for Jesus more than focusing and being humbled by what Christ had done for them. 
I find this to be true. Those who burn out in serving or ministry often burn out because they're focused on what they are doing for God more than celebrating and reflecting and meditating and being struck by what Christ has done for them. If you're tempted to tell someone else what you're doing for the Lord, you're on the pathway, you're on the fast lane to burnout. But to go the distance, it's to focus, to marvel, to be humble, to be awed, to be drawn to Christ by what he has done for you. So I, I encourage serving. Oh, man, God bless you. Because I think, well, I'll talk about this tomorrow, my message tomorrow morning. It's through serving that we experience the grace of God as well as we are a channel of it to other people. But we cannot place our value and our worth in serving, in our sacrifice and our self-righteousness. That's why in verse 5 it says, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. In other words, go back to just the essence of who you are and why you do what you do before you focus on what needs to be done. While the love of Christ is the starting point for who we are and everything we are to do in the Christian life, his, his love is also what purifies, refines, and matures our love to become like him so they, that we may reflect him more than reflect our kindness, our goodness, and our gifts to others. He loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much for us to stay as we are. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much for you to just stay the way you are and not become more like his son. And the way that happens, again, it's through the gift of repentance. We are called to remember his love, and as you do so, his love should move us and motivate us to respond to his love by repentance. Romans chapter 2, 4, you need to know this verse if you under, to understand and apply repentance. Do you uh, presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that it's God's kindness that is meant to lead you to repentance? It's his kindness. It's the cross. It's his love that truly motivates God, God-inspired, grace-based repentance. And check this out, church. I think this is the missing part of repentance, and this is why it's missing in our lives on a personal level, but also on a corporate level. Because we just think, yes, it's about the cross. We are moved by the cross to repent, to own, to, to say, God, change my mind. That's what the word repent means. It's to change my mind. In other words, it's, it's to ta- change my taste buds for this particular sin. That it's not just, oh, it's, it's a bad thing, but I, I want to have the same kind of taste that you have for this. So I am repelled by it because all it does is wreak havoc and produces distance from between me and you and other people. That's what repentance is. It's based on his kindness. But also, we've missed out on this. Repentance, it says this in Acts chapter 3. This is where it, what repentance brings forth. Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Church, you know why God says repent? You know why Jesus says repent uh, repent and believe? Believe and repent for the kingdom of God is near because it's not that he wants you to feel bad. He wants you to be refreshed. He wants you to be refreshed from the presence of the Lord and it's sin that keeps us from experiencing the joy, the wonder, the freedom, the intimacy, the honesty between the Lord. So he says repent 
because he wants you to be where he is. He misses you. If I can, if I can write a translation of the Bible, whatever I see the word repent, I would say, God misses you. And he'll do everything and has done everything that is needed for, to get you back. Do you realize behind every command of repentance is a God who misses you? And he made it possible at his own cost for you to come back to him. Repent from taking pride in our service, sacrifice, and our righteousness. It's based on his kindness, and it leads to times of refreshing. Is God convicting or stirring or calling any of you this evening to humbly and specifically repent of your pride, of self-reliance, self-sufficiency in life and in ministry? You know, the, the story of the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15. And of course, if you've heard it preached by other places, some say it's the, the story of the, the prodigal sons. The older brother who was, again, filled with such self-righteousness and the younger brother who was filled with selfishness and self-centeredness. But when I studied that passage a few years ago, church, please hear me. I think I have, I, I, I have to own this as well. When I studied that passage in Luke 15 about the son who goes off to a far land, comes back, and he's embraced by the father, you know what struck me? I'm like, man, his father's a pretty cool dude. What? Why would he leave a house like that or a family like that? But then I started studying his older brother. And I wondered, there's a lot of prodigals in our homes, in our communities, in our churches, because there's a lot of older brothers in our homes, communities, and churches. The more I studied the older brother, I don't blame the younger brother for leaving home. The only way back will be through the father, but I think it will be helped by an older brother who's all self-righteous, who all focuses on what he's done for the father. Let's just read what, how he describes himself to the father. Look what I've done for you. Look what I, I've never asked of you. He focuses on himself. Maybe... If there are going to be people in your life who come back to the Lord, one of the steps of them coming back to the Lord is for you to humbly say, I have sinned against God and you. I've taken pride in my spirituality, in my relationship with God, which is all by grace anyway, but I've taken pride in it. I've taken pride in serving God even though I do it by the gifts he's given to me. Maybe some of you, as you pray for those who you hope to see come back to the Lord, part of that restoration process for them will be the restoration process for you. To say to God and to that person, forgive me. Imagine if you went to somebody who used to sit in these seats, who used to be your Bible study leader, who used to be the one who brought you and drove you to church, and say, you know what? Forgive me. I've made it all about me and what you haven't done. I forgot about all that Jesus has done for me, how that I am no different from you, and I need his grace as much as you. I wonder if there will be some people say, God is real. 
Jesus does change lives, not just mine, but even my brother or sister who's faithful at church, my mom or my dad, my, my uncle who goes to church. Repent. Church, repent. For your sake, for the sake of others, but ultimately for the sake and the glory of Christ as he works through your repentance to demonstrate the goodness, the grace, and the power of the gospel to our world. Thirdly and lastly, okay? Some of you are like, phew, that's my favorite word in the sermon, lastly, okay? <laughs> Thirdly and lastly, remain, okay, rep- remember Christ's love for us through his cross. So remember from how far you have fallen. Number two, repent from taking pride in your service, sacrifice, and self-righteousness. Repent based on his kindness, which leads to times of refreshing. And lastly, remain in a posture of total dependence and obedience to the Holy Spirit. Remain in a posture of total dependence and obedience to the Holy Spirit. While this letter to the, uh, to, to the Ephesians starts with a specific commendation, again, uh, John is, 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 is scribing down all the things that the Spirit is saying. Wow, you've done this well. You've persevered. You have proper doctrine. You have been faithful. And then, he, and then the, the letter moves towards criticism and conviction about the, them forsaking their first love. It ends with a gracious invitation to remain in communion with Christ by his Holy Spirit. Look with me in verse 5. Do the works you did at first. Verse 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Remain in a posture of dependence and obedience to the Holy Spirit. Because he's reminding them when he says, do the works you did at first, he's going back to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, Paul writes this, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with a power through his spirit in your inner being. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writes, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. Church. Church, church, if we're going to return and remain devoted and focused and basking in who he, Christ is and where he is, we cannot do that in our own strength or even in our own conviction. It has to be done out of obedience, submission, and dependence on the Spirit of God. To be strengthened by the power of his Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. Let me ask you this. Do you ask the Spirit to fill you? Do you invite him to take control? Do you, it says it's a command throughout the, the epistles. In, in Galatians, it says to live by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit. These are not recommendations. This is normative for the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus that frees us and leads us. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus that frees us and leads us. Have you asked him to do both in your life? To free you and to lead you. To be filled day by day. You know, and I say this, and please, please, please turn off your imaginations. Is everybody's imaginations off? Okay, yes, yes, okay. Every morning when I shower, imagination's off. Off, 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 okay? Not silence, not, okay? Off, okay? Okay, don't put it on, you know, vibrate or silence. Off, imagination's off. I pray 
simple prayer. But I, I need it. Just as much as I need the cleansing, the refreshing of, the, of a shower, I pray these words. Say it in your own way. I say, Holy Spirit, would you lead me? Would you fill me? Would I be sensitive to your voice, your authority, your ownership, and your prompting in my life so that I may bear your fruit, the greatest of which is love? Do you, do you say that to the Spirit? Do you pray to him and ask him to do what is commanded of you by Scripture? Remember this, behind every command in the Bible is a promise. God does not command us to do something that he will not provide the resources to be accomplished. Are you depending on him or are you depending on someone else? Are you depending on Pastor DL, your house church leader, your, your Bible study leader, somebody else, your parent, your brother, your sister? Are you depending and relying and submitting to the voice, the authority, the presence, and the ownership of the Spirit of God? Because the Bible says this, friends, in the context of relationships, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if you're messing around sexually, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you're cutting, your body is the temple. If you're smoking, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you're drinking, Especially if you're drinking illegally, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Honor God with your body. That's what the Bible says. Why? It's not yours. Church, you hear that? If everything is Jesus, he's your reward, he's my all in all, that includes your body. He died for your body. He's going to be resurrected. He's going to glorify him. Honor God with your body. You can't do that on your own. Only by the filling, the power, the dependence and reliance of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me. Head to toe, finger to finger, every fiber, every cell of my being. Fill me. So that I may be where you are, Jesus. So that I can follow you to the last, the least, the lost, and the lonely who are desperate to know your love. I close with this. Um, and you can put your Bibles down, but hopefully keep your ears open. Um, I'm talking about how to finish well, how Christ's love, first love for us, fuels our devotion to him to the end. We'll talk about that a little bit more at the retreat what it means, the mark of a disciple is to finish. My first ministry assignment right out of college, I was 21 years old. I went to this church in South Jersey where I was called to be the youth director. And totally, I'm totally unqualified. I didn't go to Bible school. <laughs> they even told me there was 100 applicants for the position. And when they said I got the position, they said, by the way, you're the least qualified person that we uh, interviewed. Congratulations. Okay. <laughs> But they just had a strong sense. They just they really came together and sensed that God had led uh, this uh, this match for me to be the youth leader, and totally unqualified, 21 years old, you know. Um, and within the first few weeks, boy, the toughest, one of the most challenging assignments came upon my uh, my lap into my life. 
one of my youth leaders, she's a junior high teacher who was a parent of two youth group students, was having a relapse of cancer. And she battled through the first uh, round of, uh, and, 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 and was making progress, but boy, there was this relapse that came even more aggressively than before. And her name is Jackie. Oh, Jackie Barnes. And her son, to this day, is one of my closest friends. He's one of the guys I texted yesterday. I mentioned to you, I texted a few guys. I, I texted Andy, and I said, pray for me. His son, Jackie. And uh, uh, first couple, I didn't know what to do. I remember I visited her uh, towards the end of her days, and I just brought a bouquet of flowers. When she had sought treatment, she had sought prayer. She had experienced a lot of wonderful things of God, but she knew. I even tried to, again, out of my immaturity, lack of sensitivity, I tried to just cheer her up with false hope some, in some degree. I, I think it was sincere, but I, was just, I just didn't know what to say. I said, hey, Jackie, you're going to get better. She's like, no, I'm not, Sam. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have the strength. I'll never forget these words. These are the last words I heard from Jackie that I remember when I visited her before she passed. She said, Sam, uh, and she loved Jesus. She loved Jesus. She said, Sam, uh, I don't have the strength to pray. But I can still praise. I don't have the strength to pray, but I can still praise because my devotion is not based on my circumstances. It's not based on my prognosis. It's based on Christ's overwhelming, formidable, first, unrelenting love for me. Would you bow with me, friends? And I believe there is a response that God is stirring and brewing in our hearts, again, on a personal but also on a corporate level. And I'm not going to say very much in my invitation. I'm going to actually turn it over to your pastor and your brother, Pastor D.L. I'm just going to remind you of what I've shared. And hopefully one of these things will strike a chord with you tonight. And uh, you will respond to one of these things. Remember Christ's love for you through his cross. When's the last time you said, Jesus, thank you for your love by your blood? That's real love. Jesus, thank you. Help me not to forget and help me to always, always keep remembering. I need the gospel to go deeper so that I can be set free by your love. Remember. Secondly, repent. Repent from taking pride in your service, your sacrifice, and your self-righteousness. Repent based on his kindness, based on his love, so that we would experience times of refreshing, but also so that others may also see a life that is authentically changed by Jesus and is still being changed by him. Repent. Say, God, change my mind, change my appetite, change my view of this sin. No more excuses, no more blaming. Lord, 
It's mine to own and it's mine to lay at your feet and ask for you to cleanse me as you forgive me. I repent. I am so self-righteous. I pride myself in how I serve and it even pushes away people who don't even know you. God, lead me in spirit-led, grace-based, cross-focused, gospel-focused repentance. Sec, thirdly, Holy Spirit, I need you. I'm trying to do everything on my own, and it is impossible. Impossible to live the Christian life. Only Christ can. So I need his spirit. But I've been trying to do it apart from Christ and his spirit. I need your spirit. I need to depend on him. I need to submit to him. I need to learn what it means to walk in him and be filled in him and to surrender to him every realm of my life. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. God, I want to honor you with my body. Remain in a posture of total dependence and obedience to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I don't know you. Fill me, but you're with me. You're interceding for me. In Christ, you are now resident, but also would you be president of my life? resident but president over my thoughts, my desires, my dreams, my wishes, my wounds, my hurts, my areas where I need to ask for forgiveness, the the secret things, again, that you are bringing to the light, let me bring them to the light of Jesus so that he could set me free by his grace, by his truth, by the body of Christ that surrounds me and leads me to him. Remember, repent, remain. Let me pray for you and then Pastor DL, would you, as the Spirit is leading you, lead us to where he is. Oh God, I I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's written for us today because there's still so much work that you want to do, not just through us, but in us tomorrow, this coming year, this coming year. Uh, semester, this coming uh, calendar year. Oh God, take us to where you are. Jesus, bring us close to you. Show us your beauty, your holiness, your grace, your majesty. And as we see those things, God, that's what would change us most of all. And I pray against any guilt or condemnation which is not of you. But we pray for hope. We hope for I pray for freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And Lord, where there is hope, there is no condemnation. There is conviction, but no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So lead us in conviction, Spirit-led conviction. Because ultimately, the Spirit leads us to Jesus. Lead us tonight. Father, I thank you for our time together. I thank you in advance for what you're going to do the coming minutes and moments, may it change eternity. May it rattle the gates of hell. May the doors of heaven be gushing wide open and poured out. We need revival. Start with me. Start with me. Start with us. 
thank you, Jesus, for your grace, your face, and your cross above all. We need you right now, right here. Reveal yourself to us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Keep praying.